Behind the Shades. Hello, Christina. How are you doing today? I am very good. Thank you. So what have you been up to on this lovely Saturday afternoon? Yeah, Saturday afternoon. Exactly. <laughs> well, actually, I've been working today um, as well as working on my business, Vibrant Family Education. I also have to do it another job as I develop my business and work with families and things like that. So I'm still doing kind of both hats, but I'm really super excited about getting things moving and helping families and doing what I need to do. Perfect. Can I ask you a million dollar question before we officially begin, please? Okay. How does it feel to work on a weekend? been so long (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't feel very good sometimes I mean it depends on the kind of work you know when I'm working with my families and helping them giving up a weekend to help a family is a-okay right because that's what my whole focus and passion is when I'm doing other jobs it's like oh man I wish I could really take the day off she's like oh man (laughs) and then you know we do the approval call in sick right but right I'm glad that it's something that you love to do. So we're going to get officially started because there's so many wonderful things that you're going to share with my guests today. So as we get into this, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you as well as where can we find you? Perfect. Thank you so much for that. I am Christina Hay-Avert, co-founder of Vibrant Family Education, also co-host of Bringing Education Home podcast. We are a family development Um, coaching business, as well as education exploration. So Vibrant Family is looking at the whole family, the whole child, trying to help them figure out what kind of education is best for their child. And what I mean by that is some of us know that the public education system isn't quite giving our families what they need. And so sometimes they want to go outside of the box. They want to look at other alternatives. And I'm here to help walk them through that and kind of see learning style, sleep schedule, other uh, things that kind of fit into how to help best educate your child and see what is best for the family. So they can find me, family, friends, um, guests can find me at Christina Hay Averett on Facebook. My DM is open. You can message me anytime. VibrantFamilyEducation.com is our main site where you can book a parent-teacher conference. And I promise to be a nice teacher in that parent-teacher conference, not a mean teacher. And then also bringingeducationhome.com is our podcast where you can listen and figure out what kind of education resources we have for people. You heard it, everyone. She is one of those kind teachers, not that wicked witch of the West kind of teacher, right? Exactly. Perfect. So take us from the genesis of this. So what got you into this type of work? Well, I have always wanted to be a teacher and I've always been a teacher. Even when I was really, really young, I talked to my second grade teacher and said, I want to be a teacher so bad that I want to come back and I want to take your job when you retire. And my second grade teacher was like, what, what do you mean by that? And it's like, I love teaching so much that I want to come and be right here. And I get to tell the story because it's really awesome that I actually went all the way through school, all the way through college came back to my elementary school and I taught with that teacher for one year. As she retired, I was coming into teaching. We were in the same school building for a year. I got to help her retire. So in a way I took her place, but not really. But it just goes to show that my passion has been there ever since I was really, really, really little. Second grade is eight years old, right? 
And then also all the way through high school and everything, I was in all the groups that help students learn, help educate, teach, religious ed, all of those different things that are in that teaching kind of profession. Then I taught for 27 years. So in the public school system, 27 years. 25 of those years was in the actual building classroom. And then the last two years, I was transferred to an online school. And that online school is always there. So even though it was during COVID, it wasn't the COVID school. It wasn't the teachers that were thrown into online education, right? This is the actual school that's there all the time for children who are medically fragile, people who are on sports schedules, gymnastics, those kinds of things that take them out of school way too much, or sometimes a behaviorally challenged that can't be in the classroom just because they just can't handle it, right? So when I got to that second school, that online school, and I got to see the beauty of coaching parents to help teach their own children and that connection that we were able to make, as well as the beautiful connection I was able to make with children online, even though it was through a computer because it was a smaller group, it wasn't 30 kids in the classroom, I realized that there was a way that I could go back to my original roots. So I had really gotten dissatisfied um, with teaching, a lot of it because political change, social change, just the way the classrooms are being run right now. Even though I was trying to be the best teacher that I could be, it wasn't. I wasn't able to reach families and kids the way I wanted to. And so when I got to that online school and saw this transformation of how people are more accepting of online or accepting of homeschool and how I could actually make that impact that I really wanted and help families understand a better way to educate. It's like, that's what I need to do now. So I left teaching and started vibrant family education. For me, going through the education system, the teachers always felt like a second parent, mm -hmm. right? Sorry, a second couple of parents, right? Right. Because um, they're like my mom and my dad um, in the in the traditional sense, but during nine to five when I was away from them. And one thing I did notice is that as I got older in this education system, I began to become aware of exactly what you're talking about. It seemed like certain curriculum or certain classes would mm -hmm. appear and disappear for reasons that weren't necessarily education based, more like political based. Right. Exactly. Um, but they were always important to me and always felt um, a high level of respect. When you were in the education system and you were one of those teachers, was there something that you experienced maybe firsthand where you're, where you're like, this is my breaking point and this is going to be my catalyst for actually starting and moving forward and giving education my spin on it because I feel it needs to be that way. Exactly. And it was, it was, it, unfortunately it was political. It was societal in a way. Um, the year that my principal came and told us that, oh, if a child is having issues and it's a certain kind of issue, you can't go tell the parent because that's something that the kid needs to work out. I'm like, whoa, wait a second parents should always be involved in their child's education. Parents should always know what their child is thinking, even if we might not totally agree with them because parents are the first teachers and parents are the ones who are charged with taking care of that child. And I feel that my job as a teacher was absolutely to help support those kids and absolutely to help be a good role model, 
but parents are first because that's the way it should be. Now, you know, there's always the legal, if they're abusing the child or something that you have to go outside of that and take care of that. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about, you know, there's a lot of moral, there's a lot of things that unfortunately are coming into the political and school system that parents aren't necessarily agreeing with. And in some ways, when we're being told, oh, don't talk to the parents about that part. It's like, no, that's not the way it should be. I look now and I see that very rampant in the schools. I remember a time when I was in school, Christina, for those listening, it was the curriculum. You get your math, you get your English, you get your science, you get your biology. And I've been out of the school system for a number of years. And when I look at it now, I'm kind of unsure if the kids are actually still getting that foundation. Yes. Right. But you, but your job and what you're doing is to provide that foundation. So what's some of the ways that you're providing it for the children that are working with you, but most importantly, of course, the parents and the families that are working with you. Exactly. So when a parent and family comes to vibrant family education, we look at a basic curriculum that they want to give to their children. So I want to make sure that the kids absolutely have those basics, the math, the reading, the writing, the things that they super, super need. Right. And then that's where I come in and I can either help them set up in an online school and get that going, or I can help parents pick curriculum that they like get books and things like that and come into the teach school and teach. But then I'm there as an education professional to help fill in those gaps because a lot of our parents are like, well, I can't take my kid out of school because I don't feel like I was good enough in school to be able to teach my own child. And what I would say to that is take a step back, take a deep breath, because guess what? You've already been teaching them since they were born, right? So you are their first teacher no matter what. Now, you might not be maybe the best at math, but that's when you get help. You get someone like me, Vibrant Family Education, that comes in and helps fill in those gaps and things that you need, or co-ops, or there's lots of different things that people can do if they choose not to be in the public education system. But you're right, that math, that reading, that writing is so foundational. And you have to have that because if the kids aren't learning that, if they aren't being successful, then they can't be, um, sorry about that, have a love of learning. And that's the other part that I really want to have parents instill in their families and their children is that love of learning. Because when they love learning, then they're gonna go forward on their own finding those things that they're passionate about, keep learning, but they have to be able to read and do math first and write. When you tailor these programs, um, how specific is it per to the family? It is uh, very specific because we know that there's different work schedules, there's different learning styles, there's lots of different things. So I really try to work hard with the family and really figure out what's going to be best for them. But the beauty about it also is the flexibility. So let's say you have an entrepreneurial family who has a lot of flexibility. I can help build that schedule, build that curriculum, help them understand what their child needs. And then they get to go do the entrepreneurial things like traveling and things like that and take the school with them and their child, right? Maybe we have a small business owner. So they're super busy during the week, but they have extra time on the weekend. Again, you wanna set up your learning so it's consistent, but could they maybe do more learning in the evening or the weekends with their child, right? And have other things set in place for when they're doing their small business work. Again, that flexibility. If they're still in the public school, 
what do parents need to know to build around that public school education that still instills their values, their um, priorities, right? And then make sure their child is still learning and growing. So there's a couple different ways to look at it. I remember a time that I wanted to learn specific classes or courses yeah. in school. And it was, they didn't have enough enrollment. And I remember the argument that I would make is that, sure, you'd want 30 kids at the very beginning to be enrolled. And then you have your dropouts and your absentees and things like that, right? And then you probably, at the end of graduation or the end of that class, that semester, you start off with 30, probably get 15, 20, right? Right, exactly. Um, but there's some programs that I wanted where they're so specific, as you mentioned, that you know that the people that enrolled, mm -hmm. they're going to be there until the end, right? Like, so you have your 20 and then they finish with 20, 19, maybe 18. Right. And one thing that I, I always want to ask those in education is, and I'll ask you if that's okay, uh -huh. is how come there hasn't been, outside of what you do, Christina, Yeah. how come there hasn't been any updates to the curriculum it seems like at least on the outside we're teaching the same thing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago whereas by comparison that's why i asked you if it's tailored you're saying what does your child need parent number one what does your child need parent number two and right. you're providing that so what would be your answer to that i think well it's unfortunately our system is our education system is just broken we are still thinking of students as getting them ready to go to the office every single day, go to the factory every single day, learn the same way that our parents and our grandparents learned. And we know that our society and the way we work and the way we process things have changed a whole bunch. And so that needs to be changed. But whenever you are working with the parameters of here's your classroom and here's your 30 kids and you have to deal with A, B, C, and D all at the same time, it's hard to make those big shifts and those big changes. So that's part of it. Um, and then also, like you said, money. I mean, unfortunately our schools lots of times are money driven. So if you don't have a class that has enough kids in it, they can't afford to pay that teacher for that smaller group of kids. And that's another society societal break i would say is that our schools aren't necessarily being funded the way they need to now that doesn't mean that they don't have enough money sometimes sometimes it's that they aren't using the money the way it really should and that was one of the things that was really tough for me was that administration kept seeming to get bigger and bigger and what was happening in the classroom didn't seem to be supported as much and yeah, I mean, because there are so many awesome, wonderful teachers out there who are trying every single day to make it the best possible education for your child. But at the same time, there's other things influencing and happening that's not letting that happen. And that's a shame because the only people that truly suffer in that case are the children, right? Exactly. And that was breaking my heart. I actually told, wow, I haven't even... <laughs> One of the last years I was in the classroom, I actually called a parent into the classroom and I said, this is the hardest discussion I've ever had. I'm telling you as a teacher behind closed doors that you need to take your child out of my room. And they're like, what do you mean? What's going on? I'm like, your child is such a good child that they will sit there and be quiet and put up with all the rest of the crap that's happening in this classroom that I'm trying to deal with and not getting the education that they need. Please do something for your child that I can't do at this time. 
That is that is truly sad. Um, I had, and I'll share that I had a similar experience with one of my one of my teachers. Yeah. And she wanted me to be in the classes I wanted so badly, mm-hmm. but because, and maybe this happens where you are too, because of the city that of this the area of the city that I was in, uh-huh. I couldn't get that type of education. So what I had to do, as my family had to do, is I had to go to school across town mm-hmm. to get the type of education. And it was sad for her because to your point, mm-hmm. you have someone that's a good student that's leaving your class, not because the student is underperforming or not because you're not doing your job. It's just the resources that this child may need to be as successful as they're going to be because you see so much potential. They don't have it. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, you know, that leads us into a whole different conversation is that the way our system is broken is that parents don't have that choice. Their kids have to basically go to the school that's right there near them. But if the way the system was set up, parents had more choice. There were more charter schools, private schools, or the funding for the child went with them. Luckily, a few states are getting there, right? They have funding that follows the child instead of goes to the school that the child is at. That would be so beneficial and I know there's going to be a whole bunch of backlash. The teachers unions and things are going to be like, wait, you can't do that. It's going to tear apart our schools. And it's like, but if the system isn't working, what's our first priority? The kids. And you can't do that if they're stuck with the funding, stuck in one place and not moving with them to get the best education for them. So, Christina, it seems like that's an issue that is not only where you are, but it seems to be expanding and i wonder is it as simple as saying that hey we have allocated let's say i'm the government right train the government has allocated five million five billion dollars to education and mm-hmm. i just say that there's 30 schools and i just divide it by 30 can it be that simple no no because there are different levels of education different areas of the city or stuff needs more and that's why i said more about following the child instead of being at the school Mm-hmm. Can you explain the difference to us for those who may not know what that exactly means? Um, well, so one, I'm not exactly sure how the states have it set up. I need to actually do more research about it. But if your child wants to go to a specific school that is more art oriented, then you take that child to that school and that money goes to that school you know you 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 know fill out the forms or whatever and make it sometimes maybe it's a tax credit that parent ends up somehow paying in front and then they get paid back in taxes at the end or something like that but it's really following the school and so when a child is maybe like homeschooled it helps pay for the curriculum for the child at the home at that the parent teaches them instead so they really get to use that money specific for what the child wants to and needs to learn I think I believe what you mean. I know there's some places where a school can um, say that we're expecting a thousand students enrolled. So their funding would be based on that thousand, Mm -hmm. even though they may not have a thousand people attend, because to your point, you may have one, you may have a couple of people that are, I guess, identified to go to that school, but they may go somewhere else and they don't take their funding with them. So now you have one school that has more money than it should have. And another based on um, number of students and then you have another school that has less to give out per student because they have more people enrolling that that would make that would make sense. So 
going forward with what you're doing, Christina, what's the next five years look like for you and your company? The next five years, uh, great, glorious expansion. Once the parents realize the beauty of showing and being there for their kids and working with their kids and knowing that they don't have to do it alone. You know, that's the key thing. A lot of parents are like, oh, if I go homeschool or I do online school, I'm doing it on my own. Once they realize that there's companies and groups out there that will help teach alongside and grow and really focus on the best of the best for their child expansion. I'm looking, you know, to be hiring teachers right and left at different grade levels to help these kids grow and expand and help continue to coach the parents because it's not just for the kids. You know, we're the secret is vibrant family. We get you the parents by getting to the kids. We're going to teach your kids, but guess what? Let's develop the family a little bit. That means parent coaching. That means helping parents understand the way to get kind of the best out of the whole family as well. There's one thing that I ask my teacher friends, and I love to ask you this because you're so um, experienced in the education system. How does it feel, Christina, that you know that you are making an impact, regardless of the size of it, to all these up and coming police officers, CEOs, um, nurses, doctors, like how does it feel that to know that you're playing a role in so many people's lives of the next few generations coming up? It's very humbling. It's a big responsibility, but I'm so glad that I'm able to do it. And again, it goes back to part of my story of why I left the classroom is because I wasn't making the impact that I wanted to make and needed to make. And so I'm doing it this way instead. And, you know, it's one of those things that whenever you're teaching after so many years, you start having kids come back and tell you how much you meant to them. And those are like the best days of my life. It's like, wow. You, know, you run into a kid out at the grocery store and he's putting the carts away. He's working his part-time job, you know, as a high school senior. And he comes back and like, I so enjoyed second grade with you that I want to be a teacher when I grow up, right? Or somebody comes back and, oh yeah, I just graduated with honors. And it's because I learned what I needed to learn when I was in your room and in that school that I was in. So that's priceless. One of my friends, she always mentions that when she goes out and it made me reminded me of that when you mentioned the grocery store, they'll yeah. say that, hey, Mrs. And they'll use the last name still, right? <laughs> like you're still a kid in the in the room. And they say, do you remember me? I'm so and so from, you know, grade four, period three. Right. Right. And one th one thing that's interesting is that you guys remember your students. We, like we, how, like, how, like how do you, how do you do that? It's one thing that's really amazing is that, you know, people grow and change, but there's something about the eyes and the smile that usually kind of clues you in. Right. And even if you don't know their exact name, you still know who they are. And if the family or something, there's something that just kind of pops out that, that you just know. And, you know, if they start talking about, oh yeah, I was in class with so-and-so and so-and-so and, -so and we did this, then of course all those memories come flooding back. So yeah. And it's, it's just a beautiful thing when that happens. <laughs> did you ever think of, did you ever think that you would be doing something like this when you first got into, into education? No, absolutely not. This has been one of the biggest growth and biggest developments for me in my life. I mean, I've always known that I want to be a teacher. And then as I was exploring, it's like, well, 
I'm, but I'm just a teacher. And that's one of the things that's really interesting is that it's teachers who try to transfer away from teaching, they think, well, I'm just a teacher. What I've realized over the last 10 months as I've been growing this business and growing this is that all those skills are the same skills you do when you're a coach, when you are a company executive. You just have to tweak it a little bit, right? So when I went to podcasting, it was really interesting that, you know, I've always been able to give lectures, give talks, teach people so, and things like that. And how did that transfer into podcasting? Well, I was able to bring those conversations and direct those conversations in ways that were enlightening for my listeners. So it's really amazing how you take those skills and you move on. But yeah, I always thought I would leave the classroom retirement when I was like 65 or something, 70. I was old and ready to let, let it go. And now I'm not that old. And I left because I want to keep teaching, but just in a different way. There's a job that I left um, many years ago. And every once in a while, even though it's been a number of years, I look back and I reflect and I think how my life would have been if I didn't make that change mm -hmm. and realize that my potential and my passion were more important than some of the other things that I may have got if I stayed there. Have you had a moment of reflection similar to that in your life? If so, what was it about? Well, I that's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, because I still see myself as Mrs. Hayer as the teacher, kind of like you said, the kids walk up to you and they always call you by your last name. So I even post online as Mrs. Hayer still. But just hmm, that change, I just knew that I could do more than be in a classroom and impact more than just younger lives, that maybe I had to reach across a range of not just youngers, but the parents, the olders as well. So I guess that was kind of that catalyst that really helped me step away from the classroom into this bigger role of starting a school, helping families. Do you feel that you're going to continue working with the family or you may be um, trying to narrow it down to a specific group, let's say, older parents or maybe young adults or maybe young couples or is it still going to be the family unit altogether? It'll be mostly the family unit still just because I really understand the way just the dynamics of how the parents need to talk to the kids the kids need to express to the parents the back and forth and unfortunately that's part of our society change is that We've been stuck to these things so long, these screens that, you know, we forget how to communicate and actually interact and enjoy the outside life and things like that. So I think it's still definitely a family unit. Now, am I going to continue to work with public school families? Maybe not as much because maybe they don't have enough flexibility to do kind of what I want them to do. But I that doesn't mean that I'm not going to keep trying, right? Um, and actually, the bigger goal is that once the school builds big enough, I'll have scholarships to help bring some of those families out who want to come out who can't quite afford it, right? That's one of those five-year goals out there a little ways. But um, I feel that entrepreneur families, small business families, families who have a little bit more flexibility will be fit best with my program right now. But that doesn't mean I want to leave anybody behind. I really want to reach back and help out other families as we move forward. No child will be left behind. In a good way. <laughs> in a good way. No parent will be left behind in a good way. Yes. Of course. 
So if you can tell the next generation of up and coming families, I'm a young, I'm a young man. I want to get married. I want to have children. What advice, Christina, would you want to give me to ensure that I'm getting the best type of education possible and that it is unique to me so I can be a productive human being? Part of it goes back to values and what you really, really want to accomplish in your life. So one thing that's kind of missing with, I think, a lot of our families is that we don't talk about our values and then we don't necessarily teach them through the education system and through the way they're learning right now. So the way I want to talk about that is that if you think about a child who maybe has been brought home, I'm bringing education home, right? They're seeing their parent as they're working on their entrepreneur business, their small business. And what are they learning from that parent? They're learning hard work because they're seeing their parents put in the hard work to make it successful. They're learning hopefully honesty, integrity, because they're seeing how their parents and the people are working with their clients and things like that. They're seeing perseverance. And then along with that, guess what? All of a sudden they're actually seeing, oh, this is how the house gets cleaned so that in the future houses stay clean. This is how you budget. This is how you do money. This is how you take care of your financials because they're seeing it happen, right? So that's part of the whole child and that whole education that we're talking about, not just reading, writing, math, but that whole successful life. What do you need to have in place within you to be that best person you can be when you get on your own? I'm <laughs> sorry.